0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember, that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. You know, one of the theme scriptures that we've used for this has been from Hebrews 6, and it says this, now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. Now's the time to progress beyond. And you know that's that's what the whole purpose of formations is is to just adopt practices in our life that cause us to grow. And that word that word perfection, advance into perfection. I know if you if you're like me when you hear the word perfection like Trying to achieve it, that's a bit of an intimidating concept to, to try and achieve perfection. But that word in the Greek doesn't actually mean to be perfect, it, it means to be whole and mature. It means to it basically means to to grow up and be mature, to be competent in your faith, competent in your walk with God. And so this 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 whole the whole purpose behind this series, it's not it's not and, and we've talked about a lot of things. And you know, if you if you take it wrong, you could see this series as, well, this is just a lot of legalism. This is just a lot of rules. This is just a you're giving me a whole list of things to do. And you know, that's that's absolutely not the purpose. But you know, that's the, I would use the same argument about dating your spouse. Well, you need to date your spouse. Oh, that's legalism. <laughs> you know, you need to kiss your spouse goodbye in the morning. That's just legalism. You can't make me live legalism. Um, you know, sometimes you need to motivate yourself past the acts and get and make sure the heart is in the act because sometimes just doing things isn't enough. We need to get our heart into it as well, so let me give you some terrible advice. Just be true to yourself. Just be true to yourself. I'll tell you, you know, that I, I that can be good advice, but oftentimes that's terrible advice. And I'll tell you why, just to, uh, as a personal story, just reveal some of my own life. Um, I have more than one self. I have a split personality. I have a self that loves God, loves connection, loves people, loves the church, loves to be in deep, meaningful relationship, loves to help and encourage others, loves, just longs to connect with God, enjoys times of worship and times of prayer and times of, of just spending time with God. And then I have a self that's a jerk. I have a Don't act like you're, you don't have one of these selves as well. You can just interview those that live closest to you and find out the dirt on your other self. See, I have a selfish self. And I have a self that loves one person in the whole wide world. Me. And is always wanting to make that person happy. Me, happy, if I'm true to that self, I will unleash a storm of chaos into my world and to those closest around me. See, my, I have a selfish self. It doesn't want to sacrifice for others. It doesn't want to give anything up for anyone. It doesn't want to be inconvenienced. It doesn't want to be told what to do. It doesn't want to tithe or give to the church. It has no heart for the house. It only has a heart for its own house. It loves to be selfish. It loves to binge on Netflix. It wants to succeed for the prestige and and the possessions that success brings. It has a very fragile ego, and it has to be protected at all costs. How many of you have one of those selves in your life as well? You know, the best advice that I could give is not be true to yourself. The best advice that I could give you is feed the right self. Feed the right self. Make sure you're feeding the part of you that you want to be living with in 10 years. (laughs) Feed the part of you that is going to bring you to healthy, whole relationships. Feed the side of you that will connect with God and bring life and encouragement to those around you. You know, the default narrative of the the world around us It's not teaching us how to grow the healthy self. You know, you you get, like, every once in a while, you'll get, like, glimpses of it from from place to place. Usually in the context of a commercial that's trying to sell you something, they'll show you what a healthy self is. And then, you know, sell you a pair of pants. The, you know, the, the, The narrative around in the world around us, it's kind of telling a story like this. Is that if you if you buy things, if you get more things, that's going to make you happy. If you get more likes on your feed, that means you're loved and accepted. And you know that Amazon purchase, it does give you a quick dopamine hit. When you click on it, it's like woo. You know? New batteries on the way. Yeah. <laughs> I bought batteries last week, by the way. <laughs> you know, the but the story, the, you know, the stories that we're seeing around us, they're not teaching us what a healthy soul looks like. They're not teaching us how to form a healthy soul. They're teaching us how to do what they want us to do. And so this is the the idea behind the spiritual formations or the spiritual formations it's about feeding us or feeding the part of us that's alive to God the part of us that is designed to be whole and healthy and in relationship with others and in relationship with God it feeds the part of us that we want to see grow and flourish and so some of these practices that, that we've gone over and if you're if you're new maybe you're new online or you're new in the room and and uh, you you're thinking well I don't know what these practices are I want to encourage you you can just go back over the last few weeks and just kind of scan through our messages there and you can you can discover some of these practices actually right back into into our series in in March as we kicked off on the, the ruthless elimination of hurry and just getting rid of uh, getting rid of just the busyness of the world around us and, uh, and allowing the life of God to grow in us. And so some practices they they they're actually quite challenging. I was reading a book this week. Some of you Enneagram fans might like this one. This is it's called Spiritual Formations for the, for the Enneagram. And so they 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 give you these um, these tips or these formations, one they call them downstream just downstream and ups, upstream. I'll get my pronunciation going here at some point. Downstream and upstream practices. And so the downstream practice, that's, just in, that's the one that's easy. It's just like, you're, you're probably, half of you would already be doing it, and you didn't realize you were doing it. Yeah. And then the upstream practice is the practice, it's like, oh, that sounds like work. Yeah. <clears throat> And we all need to have things that, you know, in our, in our lives that form us, that they're just downstream practices. They're easy to do. One of the, one of the downstream practices for my, my Enneagram number, I'm not going to get into what those are right now, but um, is, is, that, is to just spend time in nature. And it's just like, well, shoot, you don't even need to tell me to do that. I just I'll just do that on my own. And so it's a, a downstream practice, but the upstream practice was like to spend like scheduled time in prayer. And some of you are like, Well, what's so hard about that? Well, live in my head and you'll understand what so that that takes discipline. That takes you know, the, that, that scheduled time of prayer, it's like that is the easiest thing to skip over. You know, when you're skipping events in your calendar, it's just like, uh, oh, Jesus blessed the day. Okay, got that done. <laughs> but to actually take intentional time, quiet myself, that takes, that takes work. You know, uh, spiritual practices can be challenging at first but in the end, they, they bring life. As we embrace them, they start to form good things in our life. And you know, if you've ever started an exercise program, you know that the first day you start exercising it's not a good day. The second day is worse. The third day, you think you may have descended in one of the, um, one of the first layers of hell. Like you're 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 sore. It hurts. In fact, they, they say it takes forty days before you feel the benefits of an exercise program, where you actually feel better. Forty days. So, forty days, everybody. Give give a formation forty days. And uh, I wanna I wanna move on into we've been in this in this series we've been talking about daily and weekly practices, and so. Um, one of the, and I think this is this is we've we've talked about the daily and weekly of of um, you know scripture before phone, uh, curating media, just managing the media that's coming into our world. These are these are some of these formative practice. Eating meals with others every day. Eat a meal with someone else. Don't just eat by yourself all the time. Spend time with others. And uh, today I want to talk about the daily practice of one hour with the phone off, or one hour with technology off. And I I see you all got super excited about that. (laughs) This is legalism. This is legalism! And those are watching online, that hour will start after the service (laughs) is done. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I want to... Here, Let me give you a picture of how a lot of my days seem to go when I, as I start my day at work. <clears throat> I sit down at my computer to start going through the emails that have accumulated basically since the day before. And, uh, you know, I, as I'm sitting there, I begin to go through the emails, a text message comes in. So, well, I better answer that text message because the, the answer needs to get out. And uh, so I go back to that, oh, that text message is, oh, I need to, uh, I need to go look up some, some information in a file to find out what the answer to that to that text is, so I I go over to the filing cabinet, and I start digging through, and and then a, a Slack message comes up at the church, and Michelle's asking me a question about something that needs to happen, and it's like, well, I'm hold until I give her an answer, I am holding everybody up at the church, so I better give an answer right now. And then as I'm, as I'm doing that, it's like, okay, back to the emails. Oh, wait, I never got the information that I needed from the filing cabinet. So I go back to the filing cabinet. I finally dig that information up. And then I go to, go to send that. Yeah, oh, somebody's standing in my door talking to me. I better pay attention to them. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the, 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 the person leaves the door. A lot of times it's Chandler. <clears throat> and the... It, <laughs> And so, and then I think, you know, I need to go to the bathroom. And then, I said, well, I should grab a coffee before I go back to work. And then, you know, the next thing you know, noon is here. And I still haven't got through my emails that I wanted to have done by 9 o'clock. And if you're like me, your life looks very similar a lot of the time. And that's, the blessing of technology is that it gets us all connected. The curse of technology is it keeps us completely disconnected. It keeps us, we, we failed to be present and we failed to, you know, it's fracturing our presence is what it's doing. It's splitting us, we're working while we're vacationing, we're checking emails when we're supposed to be on dates, we, you know, we're taking calls when we're supposed to be playing with our kids, as we're eating dinner, we're allowing our phones to interrupt our conversations we're posting a conflict instead of talking to somebody about it. We're taking pictures of people in distress rather than helping them. We're watching videos of people who don't want to be watched. We're, we're curating our whole lives on a media feed in order to be with everyone, and in the process, we're being with no one. And it's, this, is, this is part of the, the, the goal behind this practice is the goal of being present. The goal of being it's to be present. Be, wherever you're at, be there. And we have we all have these masters of distraction. We carry them in our purses, we put, we have them in our pockets, we have them on our counters, and they're like the screaming child of a generation. Is that if you have technology around you, it is Distracting you, it is interrupting you. Unless you've taken steps to shut it off or to stop it from interrupting you, it is interrupting you. And if it's in front of you, it's impossible not to pay attention to it. It's interesting, um, and watching a video with the staff this week on this on the on the the common rule. Um, and uh, the the stat is, if there's even a phone sitting on the table, people are 40% licensed less likely to engage with others. Even if it's not on, if it's just, you know, it's just sitting on the table, you're 40% less likely to engage with others. What isn't that interesting? The miracle of tech is the curse of tech. It allows us to communicate our presence across time and space, yet it can fracture our presence across time and space to the place where none of our presence is left. And so in, in order to embrace presence, we have to engage in an act of resistance towards this thing called technology, to embrace presence, to embrace those are, that are around us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're losing our ability to concentrate. Our presence is getting fractured. The, 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 you know, 20 years ago, the average attention span was something like 12 seconds, That was what you, you you basically, in a a commercial, you had 12 seconds to get people's attention. Now that number's three. So our ability to pay attention, oh, excuse me, look at that. It's a good thing those lights light up that spit as it lands on everybody in the front row. (laughs) It didn't, it just made it to the speakers. (laughs) And there's a good 10 feet here, we're safe. You know, presence is at the heart of who we are. Presence is at the core of our relationships. You can't have deep, intimate relationships and not be present for them. Presence is what's at the heart of our relationship with God. You know, the, if you look at, you look at the, uh, the story of Scripture, what is, what is the very first thing that happens? It's Presence. God creates Adam, creates Eve and then spends time with them. And the first thing that was destroyed when Adam and Eve when Adam and Eve sinned and rebelled, the first thing that got destroyed was presence. They their relationship got fractured. They started hiding. You know? God would come into it said it said that God would come into the garden in the cool of the evening and he would spend time walking and talking with Adam and Eve, and then the night after they at the night after they sinned or the night after they've fallen, God comes walking in the garden. He says, "Adam, where are you?" And Adam's like, "Just a minute, I just have to scroll through some Pinterest here." You know, Adam's hiding. His, his presence has been, has been fractured. And then the whole story, the rest of the story is how God, God undertook it in himself to restore us back into presence with him. How God undertook to get us connected back to him. You were created for presence. You were created to be present. In fact, neuroscientists tell us that we do not actually transform in our thinking except in the presence of others through eye-to-eye contact. We need to see people's faces, and we need to interact together. And without that, we don't change. We don't change except in community. We don't improve except in community. So tech, it promises us that we can be connected to everyone, but it actually ends up leaving, leaving us really connected to no one. And so this the goal of this, this practice is the goal of being present. And so we're going there's some here here's some things that you can if you're writing notes today you can write these down. The goal of resisting is to be able to give our full presence to others by cutting off the ability to be reached by everyone and anyone. So giving our full presence to those that we're with. Two. Our, our most productive time comes when we're free from interruption. Our most productive time. You know, students, shut off your phone and work for an hour or two and just watch to see how much more you actually get done. Now, if you're on online, um, online classes, don't shut everything off because you need to... <laughs> My pastor said... You know, have, have you ever had like three days of work to get done before a holiday? Yeah. And you thought, there's no way. And yet you got it done. You know, uh, Sorry, three days of work to do in one day before going on holidays. And what do you do? You take all the distractions and you put them out of the room and you just, you bear down and you get your work done. And there is something that happens when we turn off distractions. Our most productive, our most productive time comes when we're free from interruption. Uh, here, here's a great one. In today's day and age, the ability to resist distraction might be your single most important career and life skill. You know, the, abil- the ability to stay free from distraction. You know, when you, when you pull out your phone at work and you respond to texts, or you respond to messages, I'll tell you something. Your boss notices. And if you're a boss, you notice, don't you? You do notice. So when people are supposed to be working, and instead they're like, you see them like scrolling on their phones, it just, the ability to not be distracted is actually a, a great skill, both in life and in your career. When, you, when we're distracted, we're not giving our best. Number four, our attention shows when we love people. Our attention shows hey, when we, there's just something almost insulting about being in a conversation with someone and they're like scrolling through their phone while you're trying to talk to them. Yeah. It's almost insulting. I, I'm i not a great responder to, like if if somebody is like on their phone and I'm like trying to have a conversation with them, like. The attitude of Jesus just seems to disappear, <laughs> and I use the old F words, <clears throat> like fudge. Our attention shows we love people, and there is there's just no deep connection without face-to-face conversation. Just let the put the phone aside. There's no silence with tech around us. There's no silence. You know, we, and as a, I would say as a culture, we actually struggle with silence. We struggle with this. This is, you're starting to see more and more awareness around the need for things like silence and solitude in people's lives. Why? Because it's absolutely missing from our culture today. Where these were core formations in the early church. It's like, this is, these are like cornerstone formations in our day and age because nothing's ever silent. We have noise around us all the time. The uh, silent, we need silence and solitude in order to be whole people. It's the longer we keep busy, the more stress and anxiety build up in our lives And and I believe a lot of issues remain unresolved in our lives because we're never quiet enough to resolve them. We never actually get silent enough to allow God to deal with some of the deeper roots that are in our hearts and in our lives. Silence forces us to ask the question, who am I really? What's going on really in my life? We need those moments that are quiet. You know, you you, you actually need boredom in your life. Boredom is healthy for you. That parents you can pull that card out the next time your kids say I'm bored. Boredom is good for you. And I would I would encourage you resist the urge to medicate your children's boredom with technology. It's stopping brains from developing properly. So here is the app here's some applications. Here uh, an hour at home. Take an hour at home. I would encourage you, if you if you live with others or if you're in a family, I would encourage you that hour at home, make it your mealtime. Where the phones just don't come, don't let them be in the room. Just give them their own room. And, and have that one hour off together at home, an hour at work. I would encourage you, have times at work where you just like for an hour, just take your phone, put it on silent or put it somewhere else and be be focused. And then here's a great thing is for an hour for silence. Just shut off all. And this isn't just the phone. This is just like shut all your technology off. Grab that good old-fashioned thing called a book. Or just allow, allow yourself. Go for a walk without without your phone with you and let God speak to you. Let God work in your heart and in your lives. Have these Have these one-hour time slots during your day where just the where the the screaming child of technology does not have access to your life. And communicate it to those, like, you know, if you work for somebody and you're supposed to be available, like, don't do it then. That's the wrong time. All right, and here's the the weekly practice. This is one that uh, I never thought I would actually get excited about this one. And it's fast for 24 hours. The weekly practice of fasting. I can see all of you had the same response that I would have had a few years ago is i I didn't believe in fasting, I believed in feasting you know i i I fasted once I did a forty day fast Jesus did a forty day fast he did one I did one I'm equal to Jesus <laughs> there's nothing left to do but you know in we 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 talked about these these practices coming down to acts of embracing and in acts of resistance. And fasting is an act of resistance, but I want to it's not just an act of resistance, it's actually an act of embracing. It's resisting our hunger for the temporary so we can embrace our hunger for the eternal. And so we can, we, can, we can set aside that desire to be pleased in our fleshly appetites right now, recognizing that we have eternal appetites that are actually more important in our life, that those get satisfied. So by feeling the hunger of our natural selves, it reminds us to be hungry for the deeper things of life and God and his spirit. Feasting is... Pro, it, feasting is actually more prevalent in the Bible than fasting. Feasting is we were created to feast. We were created to eat, we were created to party, we were created to enjoy relationship and celebration together. When God created the garden, a it, it, Garden of Eden, it was good, it was full of food, and he told them, "All this food is for you to enjoy." It was, a, it was created to be a feast, a feast with God in his presence together we were made to feast not to become full but because we are full because God has given us so much and we celebrate that fullness by feasting and fe- feasting is not to fill the emptiness if we're fe- if we're feasting to fill what's empty in us we're not feasting we're coping but the fall changed everything, and it broke up. It broke up that relationship. It broke up. It, it, it separated us from God, and it created. It 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 ruined everything, including our relationship with food. Food became work, and presence became fractured. By fasting, we're allowing our physical hunger to remind us that our true appetite is not for food, but it's for the eternal. Fasting is countercultural because we live in a culture of excess. We live in a culture that doesn't, doesn't practice that. Everything in our world is about getting more and having more and achieving more. And by fasting, we're deliberately moving ourselves toward lack and emptiness. And it's a, it's a way of admitting, I cannot fill what's missing in my life by consuming. I need something greater. I need God's presence. And by, by fasting, we're, we're, we're taking that in body form and declaring, God, I need you in my life, not just not just excess the excess is not going to satisfy what's missing in my heart so when Jesus when he was tempted by Satan he said man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God as he was fasting for 40 days fasting shows us who we really are Fasting shows us that we tend to medicate ourselves with food and drink. And yet that deeper hunger remains unsatisfied. Fasting allows us to feel that deeper hunger so that can drive us to the eternal. Oh, I got so many things here, but I have to stop. We feast... This is what the author writes in The Common Rule. We feast to celebrate the beauty of all that God has given and done for us. But we fast recognizing that all is not yet done. And we need more than just the gifts of God. We need God himself. And so here's some, here's some practical things you can do with fasting. It's just pick something to fast from for 24 hours. That could be Sugar. That could be meat, that could be food altogether, that could be alcohol, that could be, that could be media, entertainment, Netflix, anything that will help you feel the lack. And use that time that you would eat or do something else, use that for communion with God. Maybe silence, solitude, maybe prayer, reading your Bible, reading a book, reading something that will encourage spiritual growth in your life. And use your hunger to remind you that food will not satisfy what you need the most in your life. We need something greater. Let's stand up. And so t- today, I want to encourage you. You know, we, we've been talking about these spiritual practices. And the last thing I would ever want you to think about these things is like this is a big list of things to do because it's not a big list. In fact, as you go, as you, if you, if you review these things, you'll find that there's going to be one or two that really stand out to you. And these are, there's gonna be ones that like these are easy to do and there's gonna be ones like this is very difficult. And I would encourage you, don't try and do everything. That's, that's a sure recipe for failure. Try and change everything in your life at once. That's, that's a, a quick path to just falling flat on your face. But take one. I would encourage you to take one with someone else. And do them together. Because there's so, so much gets stuck in our lives when we do it together with others. It just it makes it so much easier to do. But, you know, the, this isn't to make us righteous. This isn't to make us forgiven. This is, Jesus does that. He gives us that freely. But this is to make us complete. This is to help us experience the reality of what Jesus freely gives us and that he freely gives us, you know, salvation and forgiveness and wholeness. But we have to learn how to walk in the reality of that forgiveness and that salvation and that wholeness. And so I want to start today. I want to or wrap up here today with just a prayer. Maybe you're here, or you're watching online, and you've never actually experienced that salvation or that that gift of life or wholeness from Christ. And you're saying, you know what? I'd like to. Ex- I'd like to take this journey. I'd like to. I'd like to experience that forgiveness I want to encourage you Uh, I'm gonna pray right now and you can just whether in this room or whether watching online we just pray this prayer with me right now Jesus I say yes to you I want to experience your best for my life would you speak to me about my life I want to hear your voice your voice offering salvation wholeness, completeness, and I want to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.